0: You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Welcome back to season two of The Simply Flawsome Podcast and I've got another fantastic um, guest here today. This is actually take two. <laughs> <laughs> Holly has very kindly uh, come back to the robe again to do this podcast for a second time because the first time we did it, it went so well. Um, but unfortunately, I lost the SD card outside of uh, out the side of my laptop. So I'd like to welcome Holly Beanie back again. So this lady in 2016, she co-founded the popular peer support platform, Real Mums of Dubai. And over the last three years, she has grown and nurtured the community so that it now supports over 14,000 mothers living in and around the UAE. She's recently moved to a new venture supporting small businesses, business owners in the region. And she's been featured in numerous publications such as Time Out Kids, baby and child magazine, various local newspapers, and she's been a guest speaker on several radio shows discussing both family life and motherhood. She's also a family and lifestyle expert for Home Club ME. Before I welcome Holly to the podcast, I'd also like to thank Rove Hotel for allowing us to use their amazing venue the podcast and all um, future episodes. So, without further ado, let's welcome Holly Beanie to the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me back again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being so, so kind and coming back. Yeah, no, it's, it's good fun. I was well, so embarrassed. Here. I so <laughs> embarrassed when I had to tell you that I lost the SD. No, pad. don't be. Don't be. It happens to everybody, right? We all have hiccups. <laughs> so, Holly, what is Real Mums of Dubai, and what was the inspiration behind it? So, essentially, when I f- had my first daughter here, I
1: was quite young. So, I was twenty-one, and um, found myself pregnant. And obviously, none of my friends were starting their journeys on motherhood. They were still out enjoying life, partying, studying, um, getting their foot in the door in their careers. And I ended up being quite lonely. So, um. I joined another online forum where I started talking to other moms and sort of sharing my experiences and asking for help. You know, my my daughter had colic and she also had a tongue tie. So I wanted to ask questions and find out more. And obviously in the region here, there's no such thing as sort of a midwife service. So I found myself online more and more. And um, the motherhood space is quite scary and a lot of people are quite passionate about their style of parenting and sometimes that can get a little bit brutal um, with people obviously feeling that their way of parenting is better than another way breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, um, co-sleeping versus cry it out. And the online spaces that were available um, weren't really very well monitored. So with a friend um, who I met on my breastfeeding journey, we set up the group and the community to offer a safe space where you could ask the questions, but you couldn't be judgmental and where everybody was on an even playing field, whether you were breastfeeding, bottle feeding, whether you were using cloth nappies or disposables, everyone was welcome. It wasn't a niche um, parenting group and where you could essentially make some friends and meet some other mums um, because being an expat and raising a family can be quite
0: um, daunting. So that, that's where that came from. Fantastic. Fantastic. It, it was interesting kind of what you were saying about judgment. Um, and how, but how do you actually manage to do that? I can see that what you're doing is providing a fantastic space and a forum for kind of mums to come together and ask questions. Like you say, in the absence of health visitors, um, which is like a legal requirement back in our country in the Absolutely. UK. Um, you know, but they have a statutory way of working. And, you know, I've been kind of a member of many kind of groups out here and everyone's got an opinion. (laughs) Everyone's opinion's right. (laughs) So how do you manage to kind of um, police that? I think
1: when you look at it from an outside sort of point of view... Every mom is just trying to do their best. No one is out there trying to harm their child or do the worst for their child, whether they're allowing them to watch screens or not watching screens or eating sugar and not eating sugar. You know, we're all just trying to do our best and we've all got different ways of doing that. And I think sometimes people are really passionate about what they're saying and their opinion and their viewpoint, not necessarily because they think that the other person is wrong, but because they want to feel like they're doing the best for their child. So I think when something is sort of on the edge and you feel like it might be tipping over, we've previously gone into the group, joined that conversation and just sort of put a spotlight on the fact that we're all just doing our best. Everybody has a difference of opinions and that just because your way is different, that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. And I think as soon as you highlight that fact, people are very aware that actually they're quite confident in their own parenting style and they could take a step back. Um, And that's just what we've done from day one is we've just kind of gone in and reminded people that there is no right way to parent and there is no wrong way to parent. We're all just winging it. We're winging it. Nobody really knows what's best.
0: They do say that there's never a good time to have kids. Like, you're (laughs) never, ever going to be ready. You know, you can do all this planning and all this preparation, but you know it's it's kind of just something that you learn yeah as you go along there's a reason you can't get a university degree in it right and it's because it it can't be taught you just you just have to jump in so you've pretty much answered my 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 next question which was why did you decide to focus on supporting new mums yeah, I would say we've answered that.
1: Yeah, and and again, there's nothing in the region. So in terms of midwife or healthcare, um, you leave the hospital here if you ha- if you do have children here. Um, you know, you do two days in hospital and then off you go out the doors. You have a tiny human to raise.
0: It's a bit scary. <laughs> and I guess one of the challenges of being an expat as well is that you don't have that you know family support around you and you don't have maybe the f- the, f- the social network that you would have yeah. in the UK and it could be quite an isolating experience which I think is why the Facebook community over here for like expat groups can be some of them can be you know great source of information and quite good support for the you know for the for families and and, and individuals that are kind of out here on their own absolutely and um you know, we can, we can look at the negatives of not having healthcare providers
1: here or health visitors, we, we've got healthcare providers, um, or midwife support. But when we look at the positives of, of using communities like the Facebook groups and other resources, Dubai is really unique in the fact that we have so many cultures from around the world all in one place. So when you have this huge melting pot of ideas and inspiring stories and different ways of doing things, you can really cherry pick what works for you and what's best for you and you have a whole you know wealth of resources that you can tap into that you might not have elsewhere you know if you're raising a family maybe back in your home country you would potentially raise your family one way whereas here you have the uh, the exposure to so many different ways and and I think I think that's a good thing I think you know I think that that's a really positive experience with a family
0: yeah definitely I, I agree with you there and it kind of it opens the mind as well. Absolutely, yeah. What are the challenges, Holly, that new mothers experience in getting back to work here in the Middle East? Oh, um, yeah, I could talk all
1: day on this one. Um, So first of all, I think financially, there's a big sort of um, gap when you're looking at um, the legalities of starting a business and going back to work here. Um, The maternity leave is very limited here. I think it's 30 days, um, statutory, legal. So a lot of people will leave their positions because they want to be at home with their children for longer. So I know a lot of people will use annual leave and sick days um, to extend that maternity leave, but essentially it's very limited. and then, you know, you find yourself at home. Maybe it's a stay-at-home mum. <coughs> Sorry. Or um, or you know, you return back to work very, very quickly and so you feel like you've missed out. And I think that that is it, it's a big struggle on, on your mental health on both sides. Being a stay at home mum is very isolating and you can feel like you've lost yourself because all of a sudden you're a new person with a with a new baby. And you don't really know, you just you've become mum. And I think women are so much more than just mom that you might feel like you're all of a sudden backed into a box. And if you do return to work very quickly, um, you know, after limited maternity leave, then you feel like I'm not good enough. You end up with mum guilt. Um, it's a first world problem. I'm, you know, I'm going to stand by this one. that It's first world problem that we feel guilty whether we're staying at home or whether we're out in the workforce. So I think there's a lot of mental um, blocks people who are returning to work after motherhood but I think financially is a big one as well the pressures of living overseas as an expat you might not be able to live on one salary and if you were to return to work but you want the flexibility of different hours there's not a lot of part-time options here either so um, it's, it's a juggle.
0: And I think a lot of the challenges that women face over here is that um, a lot of the jobs that especially western expats a lot of the jobs that they did back home have been um given to the lower income workers um so it doesn't really make it worth their while to get back into the uh, workforce yeah which is maybe why you know entrepreneurship has taken you know is is kind of so popular amongst many kind of moms in the region
1: yeah so um I think when you when you look at the part time options, you have to offset that with childcare, which is very expensive here in Dubai, um, and not everybody has the luxury of, of being able to have um, help at home, a home helper or a nanny. I think you say that's expensive. Yeah. Like
0: my I understanding it was cheap to, to have a nanny compared to like the UK. I think it used to be paying about three hundred pounds a month. Yeah? I think it
1: used to be. Um now there's lots of different legalities that have come on board that I think are making it more expensive. I think that's a good thing because I think it protects low income workers, whereas previously they might not have had that protection before. But when you're back home and in your home country you have family and support and people there that you can rely on, whereas here you're still quite isolated. Um, and for a lot of people they don't have the option to live off one salary they're living off two and so if you're living off that second salary that doesn't necessarily mean there's extra income to put into childcare. so you really have to weigh up the options of whether it's actually worth returning to work um, and again I think that that is the reason like you said that there is so many people and women that want to be entrepreneurial here because Beyond the financial side of things, I think to keep people's minds active, they want to feel like they're able to do something.
0: Without sounding too too negative, <clears throat> I was just talking about this with uh, with another lady, uh, with another guest. Actually, is that you know it's becoming more and more expensive to like register businesses here in the UAE, um, so it's making entrepreneurship a lot more of a challenge. Um, You know, which in a city that encourages kind of um, entrepreneurship and that is really kind of forward thinking and fast paced, it is seems to be a bit of a contradiction because it's, you know, it's pushing a lot of people out of that space.
1: Yeah, I'm going to argue that point. Um, because I think there's there's new licenses coming on board every single day. So I launched a business back in 2014, and it was much more expensive to launch that business than it was my new business here in 2019. Interesting, um, because of the different licensing options that are now available. The DED trader license is launched, which you can start a business for as little as you know 1,500 dirhams now in terms of licensing. But I do think that Dubai is a relatively new city. Um, the UAE is relatively new on the map, you know, places like London and um, LA or New York, they've had, you know, hundreds of years to develop their infrastructure, their legal systems and their economy. And the UAE hasn't had time to do that. So I think that as they grow and as they expand, they have found that they've had to put different permits and implications in place to ensure everybody is above board, um, safety, you know, all these different things. Um, and with that, obviously, comes extra costs that weren't built in a few years ago when these things were overlooked. Mm. So I, I think that Moving forward, yes, there are more permits and expenses, but the actual cost of licensing and setting up a business has dramatically fallen.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And like you say as well, it's also an evolution as well. You know, we're not as advanced as other countries, so it's it's a process that will continually evolve. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think the more demand, the more that, you know, everyone has to listen.
0: Tell us a little bit about Social Seeds, Ollie. Okay, so um, obviously, obviously I'm, I'm
1: very involved in the mom community, uh, and I'm a mom myself, I've got four little ones. So I I started listening. I got a lot of questions, people approaching me saying, how would we set up our business? Um, how how are we managing marketing, accounting? What was our business plan? How do I set up a business plan? A lot of people asking me all these sorts of questions. And what I started to do was to combine them into workshops so that I could answer all these questions in one place to several women and then also offer a space where they could meet other women. Again, thinking about that loneliness factor and just different ways that you can network without having to go to a networking event. I find those really awkward, you know, hello, my name's Holly, here's my business card. It's just not for me. Um, So I wanted a space where women could come to a table and have a coffee and learn something, but also meet other people. And with that in mind, I set up Social Seeds, which is um, a series of workshops and classes that are very much the fundamentals, the basics of building a business, and how you can learn that information in very short snippets, so a morning, very affordably, um, meet and network with some people, and then take those skills, implement them, and see fast results.
0: That's fantastic. And do you run
1: the workshops in Dubai? Yeah so they're in Dubai and um, I work with Let's Work and um, so I partner with mainly their venues and um, my followers also get a um, a discount with them which again is a great space to meet other people you know and network and work outside the realms of, of of your home a lot of people that are entrepreneurs their living room is their office and again it's that loneliness factor that we're trying to get rid of.
0: And it's also being around like-minded people as well. Yeah Um I remember probably about a year ago, I was feeling quite stagnant and I attended a couple of courses and the people that I met on those courses, like I'm still with today, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, they've become friends, not friends who you go out and have drinks with. Um, I mean, I stopped drinking anyway, but not those type of friends. It's more of like a peer group. So your peer group, you know, is... I yeah. guess it's just really important. And they say that the people, you know, the five people you surround yourself
1: with the most are the people that you sort of, their energies, what your energy becomes. And we're at work from, from nine to five, you know, most days. It's the biggest chunk of our day. So I'm not with my friends 24-7. I'm, the majority of the people I'm around are work colleagues and acquaintances. And so those people I want to be inspiring and I want to be positive and, you know, I want to be able to uplift them and also have them sort of uplift me as well and to learn from each other.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, What inspires you to be an entrepreneur? I mean, I do feel like you've answered some of that question, but, you know, why are you doing what you do as opposed to saying getting a normal job and going to work nine till five
1: so I did I did have a normal job nine to five up until my youngest son um was due to be born and then I I wanted to be at home more I wanted to be around the kids more but also I wanted the flexibility that if my children were sick I could stay at home or if you know I wanted to go on vacation with my kids I could without worrying about leave and um I decided to sort of Set up on my own. Originally, it happened very naturally. Again, we started the group as a community support group. It was never supposed to be a business. And when people started approaching us to advertise and to reach our audience, that's when we decided to, to take the plunge, essentially. But I have two daughters as well, and um, as well as my sons. But I think women in the workspace you know, it, it's so important to to get them into that vibe and to allow them to see that they can be whoever they want to be and they can do whatever they want to do. And I want them, the, the only reason, the only way I can get that across to them is if they physically see it. So they don't see mummy in an office. They see mummy at the dining room table, you know, at nine o'clock at night trying to get through her emails because she's been, be, she's been, be, ugh, she's been playing Play-Doh in the afternoon and I I really like that I can do that and I consider myself very lucky to be able to do that but I worked for it you know I had to carve this niche for myself to be able to do that and I think a lot of women lack confidence to do that and I think if they if they thought that they could more people would
0: thank you what is your mission as a company
1: for me I want to instill confidence in women. I take so much for granted having been in a, in a business space for quite a long period of time and um, seeing you know things like an excel sheet and I have friends that will go well how do I do that and I take it for granted that I know how to do that. I think a lot of people they've been at home for so long I, I mean I'm in the mom space they've been at home for so long raising children doing what I think is one of the most important jobs in the world and yet they feel like they're not good enough or they don't know enough and they, they can't get out there. And I think you can learn any skill. You can learn any sort of technique, tactic, process. But I think if you don't have the confidence, then that's where you lack. So for me, I want to give everybody the confidence to do what they want to do 110%, whether that is being a stay-at-home mom or dipping their feet into entrepreneurship or even returning to the workspace and learning some skills, just the ability to go, do you know what? I can do this would, would be amazing for me.
0: Yeah, th- that's amazing. You know, I agree with what, what what you're saying when it comes to to confidence. And and you did touch on a really important point saying like being a mom is one of the most important jobs in the world, which it is. Yeah, ironically, because it takes so much organization (laughs) not you know it takes so many skills that you can transfer to the workplace absolutely Um, yeah (laughs) but it also for some reason um women feel devalued in, in many ways when it comes to kind of um you know getting a career and you know it does affect the confidence and so, yeah, I think it's really amazing what you're doing, you know, enabling Thanks. them to look within and, and, you know, and show people yeah. that they have got what it takes to, to achieve whatever they want. And to. I, do,
1: I do hope that the corporate world sees that as well.
0: You know, I,
1: not just as a mother, but as a daughter, I think I took for granted everything that my mom did for me and working, managing a house. And I think I, because she she did it so well, I just thought it was easy. You know, what she did was easy. Um, and it wasn't until I became a mom that I took a step back and thought, geez, my mom works her butt off. You know, she works really hard and she does it really well. And to make it look so flawless is, is fantastic. Um, but I think because, because women just get their heads down and they get it done and they do what they need to do, that it's often overlooked as something that is simple and easy. And people don't delve into actually how complex this is Or how much hard work it takes, and I think, you know, women that are are building businesses and raising families and managing homes are are doing so much hard work, and like you said, have so many skills that they can transfer, and are really, you know, a valuable asset to any company.
0: What challenges? Thank you for that. And what (laughs) challenges have you faced, Holly, setting up the company, if any? For me. Again, I think it's it's um being out
1: there and putting yourself out there is quite scary, especially when you have um you don't have a piece of paper. I never went to university. I always say I went to the University of Google um, because I learned all my skill set literally on Google and on YouTube um because i didn't have the financial funds to to have to hire someone to help me or the background to help me build what i needed to do i literally just had to figure it out so i went pecking through the realms of internet content trying to find what i could and i think that sometimes um people can look at you and go well what makes you able to do this why should you get to do this you know what what makes you qualified And instead of looking at the years of experience or the fact that you've spent hours trying and testing, you know what works, but you also know what doesn't work because you've been in the trenches. I think, again, people overlook that. They're looking for a sheet of paper and you can't buy experience and you can't buy time. And I think that my biggest struggle is getting other people to understand that and to see that worth.
0: It's interesting what you were saying about, um, you know, you looked on YouTube, and you know you learn a lot from there. And you know, c- quite often, you know there is there's just so much free content out there. There's so so much free content on the platforms that are available. And if people go looking for it and they take the time and just roll up the sleeves, then they're going to be able to get things done. When I started this podcast, I didn't have a clue what to do. Um, I didn't have a clue what to do when it came to video editing. But I literally just roll my sleeves up and it was frustrating, you know, you feel like tearing your hair out, but I taught myself how to do it. And I did that through all the free content that's available on YouTube. I didn't have to go and spend thousands of dollars on a course to show me how to do it. Yeah, it was fragmented and it probably took a little bit longer, but you know, if you are prepared to go out there and find it, then there's a lot of valuable content available. Yeah, I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for help as well.
1: I think when we think that we have to ask for help, we almost see it as a failure or a struggle. So I have this with my husband all the time. Um, you know, he is looking to expand his qualifications and his experience and what he has under his belt. Um and I said, you know, why don't you ask so and so for help or why don't you ask this friend for help? And he said, No, 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 I'll I'll figure it out on my own, you know. I'm I'm in a position where I should I should technically know how to do this i'm I'm just struggling a little bit here or I'm struggling a little bit there um and I had to break it down in sort of a sports method for my husband because he's a sportsman, and that's what he understands um very caveman like very caveman like but um even the best sportsmen who are at the top of their game, you look at tennis players like Serena Williams or you know rugby players, they all have coaches. They all have people that they can ask for help. They're constantly learning. They're constantly evolving. You don't see Serena, uh, Serena Williams at the, you know, on, on the tennis court going, I don't need help, I've got this. I don't need to speak to my coach. She's constantly looking for someone to feed back to her where she can improve. Um, and I think that when you look at it that way, we can always improve, we can always build, and we shouldn't be afraid to ask for help or for support.
0: Thank you. Holly as you know the focus of the show um, is mental health that's the underlying theme do you have any personal challenges that um, that you mind sharing relating to mental health um, and more importantly how have you managed to overcome them? So we
1: touched on I think me feeling quite lonely when I did have Mirren and I'm, I'm quite lucky that I was able to overcome that very quickly. I think some people, you know, fall into the blues and postnatal depression. I was quite lucky that that, that didn't occur and I was able to sort of pull myself back. Um, I do have other family members and people that are close to me that do struggle with their mental health. And I think my biggest, my, my biggest thing with mental health is being able to support them in a way that isn't going to affect them or bring them further down a hole and that also keeps my mental health safe so making sure that we have really really strict sort of boundaries but being able to understand what they're going through and offer a safe space and an ear for
0: them to hear. Thank you for that we're on 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> a little bit shorter than the last one but i'm gonna bring this to a close um i think you know you've given us some really value valuable information there today and i really hope that it's um you know people have enjoyed listening to it um so i'd love lo- like to thank you for your time today yeah I, anytime i love i'd Yeah, I could chat all day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I'd also like to thank everyone that has tuned in to listen to this podcast. Your support really does mean a lot to me. If you are listening on iTunes, itunes (laughs) itunes please subscribe and leave a review because this helps the podcast become visible and it enables us to reach a wider audience and as always i'd like to thank rove hotel in dubai marina for allowing us to use their fantastic menu and for the never-ending support thank you